Thank you so much, Lisa. We're excited about Vacation Bible School. Thank you to everybody who's already signed up to serve uh, this year in Vacation Bible School. It's been two years since we've had it here on campus, so we're really excited to have students or have kids on our campus during BBS. We're going to give you the chance um, to pray in a few weeks for all of our leaders and, and gospel partners for that week, and we're going to trust the Lord. He's going to be at work in kids' lives. A word that has been just on my heart repeatedly recently is the word together. Now, this is uh, a day, this is a Sunday um, in the church calendar. We don't really follow the church calendar here at Good News, but it is an important day in the church calendar. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost was the time in the Bible when God, with Jesus, sent the Holy Spirit, to fill the church with power so that the church would have everything it needed to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, let me read to you just one verse from Acts chapter 2. This is not the sermon, but this, listen. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Listen, my pastoral heart for you, and the reason we're going to have one service this summer is because I want to see what God can do if we're all together. And if we're all together, if God would show up and give us spiritual power to be witnesses here in the World Golf Village and to the ends of the earth, just as he did starting in Jerusalem so many years ago. It's the same God. It's the same Bible. Let's do our part and be all together in one place. We're going to do that starting June 19th in our worship. Hey, let's pray, and then we'll jump to our passage for this week. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you're the ultimate together one. For all eternity past and and into all eternity future, you have always been Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And Jesus, by your self-sacrifice on the cross and, and by pouring out your Holy Spirit, you've made us one. You've seated us in heavenly places with you in Christ. You've you've joined us together in one body in Christ. You've forgiven us and given us eternal life, I pray, I pray that this word of Christ, this gospel, this good news for the nations, oh, would capture our hearts and our imaginations this morning. I pray that the word of Christ would dwell in us richly. I pray that hungry hearts would be satisfied and thirsty souls filled and and that we would all leave here satisfied having been with Jesus. We look up to you. We look up to you, Lord Jesus, and pray in your name. Amen. The passage that our study will be on this morning is Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians 3, verse 16. Let me read this to you. This is God's Let The word of Christ richly dwell within you, 
with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Just that first phrase again, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. This is God's word. Last week, uh, my wife and I were not here. We were in uh, Louisiana visiting our uh, daughter who's married and pregnant and living in Sulphur, Louisiana. And she and her husband have recently moved there from New York City and they're living in Sulphur. They were able to buy a house. We went and spent the long weekend with them in their house. So great. I, I saw my daughter. She's six months pregnant. I managed to not choke that dirty guy that married her and then got her pregnant. But you know what did my daddy heart good? What did my daddy heart good was going to church with my daughter and her husband and seeing the place where they are able to experience a biblical community. And on Sunday, I went to church with them, and they opened the Bible, and they read it and explained it. And they sung to Jesus, and they loved one another. And it did my daddy heart good to know that my daughter and her husband are in a place that has biblical community. Because the greatest thing that I could ever hope for my family is that they would let the word of Christ richly dwell within them. The greatest advice I could ever give anyone who's starting a new life together is let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. So many people celebrated graduations over these past weeks, high school graduations, college graduations. I got a video yesterday, my, my nephew's fifth grade graduation. What advice would you give a graduate? You couldn't do any better than let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. You're, you're trying to make it in your career and you're, and you're busy with, with meetings and traveling and, and you're trying to, to, to meet your goals. How do you get there? How do you stay in balance? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. You're, you're facing a crisis that you've never had to face before. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's a conflict with, with a, a spouse. It's something you've never had to face before. Where do you go? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. You're reaching the, the, the different stages of your life. You, you've moved through parenting. Now you're empty nesting and, and you're seeing things and experiencing things you've never seen or experienced before. What do you do? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Listen, if you'll take what I'm going to teach you this morning into your life, if you'll put it into practice, oh, it won't happen immediately. It's not a microwave. 
You can't snap your fingers and have it. But oh, if you will let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, if you'll let the Spirit of God and the Word of God soak into your life, then you'll become the type of person who can face any circumstance, any change, any crisis, because you have someone with you in everything whose name is Jesus. And he's in us. He's richly dwelling with us through his word, the word of Christ. So let's unpack what I mean when I say let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. So what is the word of Christ? What's the word of Christ? Well, the one word answer to that question is the Bible. I guess that's two words, the and Bible, but that's the answer. The word of Christ is the Bible. That phrase, the word of Christ, is only found in the New Testament two times. Once here in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And the first time is in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So those two times, Colossians 3.16 and Romans 10.17. And let me tell you, you need Romans 10.17 before you'll understand Colossians 3.16. So let me explain that. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ, the gospel. The Bible is one story through 66 books. It tells one story. It has one author, Jesus, the word of God, and it has one subject, what Jesus Christ has done for us. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Faith in what? Faith that what Jesus Christ has said he did is true for me. In Romans 10.9, Paul says, just before this, Faith comes by hearing. He tells us what our faith is, our trust is, our hope is, that if you believe and confess, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin. The word of Christ, the gospel, has bad news. The bad news of the gospel is this, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark, every single one of us. In thought, in word, in deed, we've all said things that we wish we hadn't said. We've all done things we wish we hadn't done. And we've left undone things that, boy, we wish we had done. And the God that we've sinned against is holy, holy, holy. So we're in big trouble. That's what we're saved from. Now, what are we saved by? We're saved by Jesus. 
The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ has done everything for us. He lived for us. He died in our place. God took our sin, our record of sin, and he put it on Jesus. And God punished Jesus in our place. And Jesus died on the cross to pay the full and awful penalty that our sins deserved. He died as our substitute. And then God raised him from the dead. And when God raised him from the dead, it was a picture, it was a promise, it was a surety that every sin had been paid for and no sin that we had ever committed or could commit had not been paid in full by what Jesus had accomplished for us on the cross. Good news. That means that through faith in Jesus Christ, by turning from sin and trusting in Christ, you can have confidence that all your sins have been forgiven and that his record of righteousness has been credited to your account. So that when God looks at you, he's pleased because he is pleased with his son, your savior, Jesus Christ. That's the word of Christ. That's the gospel. And to receive the gospel into the center of your life begins when we admit that the bad news is true of us. Have you? Have you been willing to admit that the bad news is really bad and it's really bad because it's true of you? Just as it's true of me. Have you believed the good news of the gospel that Christ has died and Christ has risen and he did it for you? And have you committed to Jesus as Savior and Lord? Have, have you invited Jesus to come into the center of your life? No more self-directed life. I want to live a Christ-directed life. Jesus, you lead. I'll follow. You help me become the person you want me to be. If so won't you? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And when the word of Christ moves in, the word of Christ richly dwells within us. The word of Christ, the same word that saved us, now is at work in us to enable us to become more and more like Christ. The same word of Christ, the gospel that saves us, transforms us. Now, it's so important that you know this. The Bible, the Bible is unique. It is not a religious book. We don't read the Bible religiously. We read the Bible gospelly. We don't read it religiously. We read it gospelly. We meet it to meet Christ, to in Ask Christ into, your, into our lives. <laughs> I'm a bit distracted. I'll tell you why. My, my front window got knocked out yesterday while I was weed eating. And the front window's out. And I'm listening to this rain. And I'm thinking, my car's getting soaked right now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's great. <clears throat> it won't rain. Don't worry about it, honey. Okay, that's awesome. So, this, the gospel reaches us, and then the gospel transforms us. And we read the Bible gospelly, not 
religiously. Now let me show you that. Matthew, turn to Matthew 4. In Matthew 4, we have one of the most famous passages about the Bible in all the New Testament. And it's possible that many of you have read it religiously and not gospelly. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not uh, live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it's written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. How do you read that passage religiously? If you read that passage religiously, then you'll come up with the application, be like Jesus. Fight off the devil with the sword of the word and beat him back with the Bible. So you better, you better know it, memorize it, you better use it, and you better fight. Maybe you've heard sermons like that. Maybe I've given sermons like that. But what if you read it gospelly? What if before you ever tried to use the sword of the word on the devil yourself, you let Jesus use the sword of the word on the devil for you? What if the point of Matthew 4 is not for us to learn how to be like Jesus, but for us to see what Jesus has done for us? What if the point of Matthew 4 is that there was once a son who rebelled against the father by disobeying the father in a garden, but now there's a son, Jesus Christ, who obeyed the father in everything, and he did it for us, and he didn't do it in a garden, he did it in a wilderness. What if the point of Matthew 4 is that Jesus Christ has done everything necessary to save us? He's done it for us. What if we began to read it gospelly and not religiously? That we be believed that the Bible was about what Jesus has done for us, not about what we're to do for him. And when we see what, the, what Jesus has done for us, that God the Spirit would do a work in our hearts that would make us want to obey Him, want to follow Him, want to seek Him, want to be like Him, but that the point of the Bible was first and foremost what Jesus has done for us. That's good news. So, 
let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. The word of Christ, the gospel, what Jesus has done for us. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Richly. We were uh, driving back from Louisiana, and we stopped on the way back. We, we split the drive into two days um, coming back. So we stopped in Biloxi, Mississippi on the way back. And we went to one of the nice hotels. Um, we didn't stay there, but we, we went there, and there was a steakhouse, and we treated ourselves to a, a really nice meal on our way back. It was great. I ordered a steak. It was so good. And as I'm eating the steak, I am just putting the steak down. I am eating it and eating it. And then it occurred to me, I am spending my child's inheritance on this steak. This steak is $80, and I'm eating it like it's a $9.99 steak from Aldi. I've got to slow down. I've got to enjoy this steak. I've got, this is a rich steak. Let me slow down. Let me cut these pieces smaller. Let me eat this steak slowly. Let me enjoy it. This is not grass-fed beef from Aldi. This is good steak. The Word of God is the riches of Christ for you. Take it and read it. The Word of God is, is living and powerful. The Word of God is, is rich. Oh, what a change that would happen in our hearts if, if we began to treat the Scripture as unique. And we read it with expectation that this is the very Word of God to us. It is riches for us. Let the Word of God richly dwell. Now, the word dwell in Greek is the word en oikeo. En oikeo. It's two words in Greek squished together. The word en, hey, guess what that means? En. And oikeo, which means house. Oikos would be the noun for house. So, in house. Let the Word of God be in housed in your life. In other words, take it into the very center of your life. Inhouse the scripture. Do you know how that word is used elsewhere in the Bible? Do you know what else inhouses Christians? The Holy Spirit. In Romans 8:17 and in 1 Corinthians 3:16, it's said to us that the spirit of God oikeos us. That the Holy Spirit dwells within every believer in Christ. So, what does that tell us? That the Word of God and the Spirit of God work together in the Christian. It's the Spirit of God that takes the Word of God and makes Jesus real to us, just as Jesus promised He would. Jesus said, I'll give you the Holy Spirit and He'll guide you in all truth. It's the Spirit of God that takes the Word of God and makes it effective to help us see our sin and, and to see Jesus and to trust Him as Savior and Lord as He's offered in the Gospel. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God working together 
Anytime you see the Spirit of God, and the, you'll always see the Word of God. And when you have the Word of God, you'll have the Spirit of God. They work together. Let me show you that even more clearly. In Ephesians 5, Paul says the exact same thing about the church. He references the churches singing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Exact same language in Ephesians chapter 5. But in Ephesians chapter 5, he doesn't mention the word of God or the word of Christ. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Same result, the instrument in Ephesians 5 is the Spirit, the instrument in Colossians 3 is the word. And if the same result flows, then we know that the Holy Spirit is the engine. The word of God is the tracks. And the destination that the Spirit of God is carrying us along the word of God is Jesus Christ. So we have the word of God richly dwelling made real, made powerful by the Holy Spirit. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Now, let's turn from the point, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, to the action step for this week's message, which is, you ready? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Now, I want to call your attention to that last word. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within y'all. See, you're blessed if you speak Southern. You have a third person plural pronoun for you. It's y'all. In Greek, it's the word men. Let the word dwell within y'all. This is a church thing. So to let the word of Christ richly dwell within us, we have to connect to a local church. We have to be involved in a local church. It's in the local body of Christ that we hear the word read and preached on a weekly basis. It's in the, the church, the body of Christ, that we're able to open the scriptures with others in the body of Christ. We join a small group and we open the Bible together. And when we do that, your gift in the Spirit and the Word of God work together with my gift in the Spirit, and together we're built up to maturity in the faith, in our faith in Jesus Christ. We are together in community. We need one another in order to be brought to maturity in Christ, your gifts and my gifts. I was at a small group last year visiting, and one of the people said, I don't see any of the things you see in the Bible when I read the Bible. And I say, well, what do you see in the Bible? And she shared something that she had seen in the Bible. I said, I've never seen that. We need each other. I see things and you see things and together with your gifts in the spirit, we help one another allow the word of Christ to richly dwell within us. We need each other in the body of Christ. So take a step. What would be a step for you? Could a step for you to be from 
being irregular in worship to becoming slightly more regular in worship? Or, I dare you, become regular in worship? What would it take for, for you to take a step from being regular in worship to being regular in worship and small group? What would it take for, for you to be regular in worship and small group and to find a way to use your gifts in the body to help others meet Jesus by serving in Sunday school for kids or youth? What would it look like for you to take a step to let the word of Christ richly dwell within you by connecting to the local expression of Christ's body, which is called Good News Church? Take a step. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Connect to the local church. Secondly, spend time with spend time with Jesus in the word and prayer. Now on your chairs is this month's new studies. And if you turn to pages 16 and 17 in the study, you'll see that our uh, every week, we give you the opportunity to spend time with Jesus four days a week, and we're reading through the New Testament together. Now, I would just tell you that if you haven't been reading through the New Testament together, start tomorrow in Acts 18. Just jump in there. Don't worry about having missed Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the first part of Acts. Just jump in in Acts 18 and start reading there. Pick up there and keep going. Acts 18, Acts 19, 20, 21, 22. Read that this week, four days. Write down what you learn. Ask God to help make Jesus more real to you. When we take the word of God into our lives by spending time with Jesus, we, we read the word. We study the word. We memorize the word. We meditate on the word. We hear the word. When, that, when the word of God is coming into our lives by spending time with Jesus, as that comes in, I promise you, if you're not feeding on the Word of God, you're going to eat something. I promise. Thursday night, I stayed here a little bit later than I usually do, and somebody had invited me to go play pickleball after work, and so I just stayed at the office, and I didn't go home to eat before I went to play pickleball. I said, well, I'll, just, I'll eat after pickleball. But, you know, I, I had kind of a light lunch. And about, you know, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, I'm starting to get hungry. And I'm going to eat. So I opened the cabinet in the office, and there was a bin of Cheetos, potato chips, Funyuns, popcorn, mini Oreos. Oh, I ate. <laughs> now, I know I was going to have dinner after I played pickleball. But listen, when you're hungry you're going to eat. And if you don't feed on the word of God, you will eat something. Because your heart needs answers to the big questions of life. Why am I here? And where do I belong? And who am I? And, and where am I going? Y your heart needs answers to those questions. And if you don't eat the word of God, you're going to eat something. You're going to listen to social media. You're going to listen to your friends. You're going to listen to advertisements. You're going to listen to something. So listen to the word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell within you because you are going to eat something. So feed yourself 
Learn to self-feed with the Word of God on a daily basis. Hear it. Read it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. And then share it. Share it with others. And <laughs> you know that uh, statistics are different. If you Google this, you'll see all sorts of things, including people who say this is all a bunch of hooey. But you can find that about anything on the Internet. People will say that you remember 10% of what you hear, 20% of what you read, 30% of what you hear and read, 70% of what you discuss, and 90% of what you teach. Now, the percentages might be different at different sources online, but the principle remains. What you bring in and share with others, you learn and remember better. So when we feed upon the word of Christ and then share it with others... Jesus becomes more real to us. Philemon 1, verse 6, Paul says it this way, I pray that you might be active in sharing your faith, that you might know everything you have in Christ Jesus. That when we share Jesus with others, what he's given us becomes more real to us. When we Share with others what we've learned from Jesus. What we've learned from Jesus becomes more real. It becomes more memorable in our life. Now, as we take in the word of God and we share it with others, we become, according to Colossians 3.16, we become wise. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom... We become wise people, able to use the Word of God to do three things in this passage. Teach, admonish, and sing. And you say, well, how do we do that? We'll come back next week. And we're going to talk about worship, teaching, admonishing, and singing together. It was enough this week just to start with, let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. I am so excited about what God could do in your lives if you became wise people. Because where we're going in the book of Colossians, where we're going in the book of Colossians is we're going to talk about worship next week. But then a few weeks after that, we're going to talk about marriage. How do you become a wise person in marriage? You say, well, I'm single. Well, you still should come. You still should come. Become a wise person who understands the word of Christ richly dwelling within you in marriage, in parenting. We're going to look at how the Bible, the word of Christ, speaks to parenting. We're going to look at what the word of Christ means for the marketplace, for work. Listen, do you know anyone? Do you know anyone who could use some wisdom from God's word on marriage or parenting or work? then, hey, invite them to start coming, and, and you connect with them to a local church. You connect to Christ. You begin to feed yourself the Word of God, and you share all that you're learning. Listen, we want it to be like paint, and it's not. We want the Word of God to be like paint. We just put it on. We just put it on our lives, and Everything's good, and, and, we're, and we're changed, and it doesn't work like paint. The Word of God works like dye. We take it in, 
And when it soaks into our lives over time, the dye soaks into our life and we begin to become more Bibline. We become more like Jesus. We begin to become soaked in the Bible. We become wise. It's not going to happen in a week. You'll have to keep coming back. You'll have to soak yourself in the word of Christ. But start, start. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being the word made flesh. Thank you for coming and dwelling among us. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Thank you, Jesus, for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. Thank you, Jesus, that the Bible is a story not of what we're supposed to do for you, but first, what you've done for us. Father, I pray. I pray that you would would work in each heart here. And if you're here this morning and what the word of Christ has done in your heart is it's, it's shown you your need of a Savior, then, then won't you ask Jesus to be that Savior? Won't you admit to him, Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you in many ways and I'm sorry. Won't you believe, Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again for me. Won't you commit to him as Savior and Lord? Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, I thank you that that the word of Christ, richly dwelling within us, has the promise of making us wise people. Lord, do a work. Do a work in us to help us become more and more the people you want us to be. I pray in your name. Amen.